1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Sure is. And this week we are doing a listener-requested episode. We are. It was
2: actually a really recently requested episode from Ghost Machine. This person asked us to talk about
1: some conservative YouTubers. Right, I mean, and I think, like, conservative YouTube in general, which is really... Kind of the path I took in my research for this episode because I think to understand conservative YouTubers, you need to understand the machine that built them. Yeah. And you need to understand conservative YouTube because it's an entire like corner of the. I would
2: say conservative media
1: conservative also, media in general, especially
2: with the way that YouTube's algorithm is set up which we will definitely right. talk about so I have pages like a, on their algorithm perfect because I I wrote about it but I didn't go completely into it so that's great that you do but yeah it's we've all been down a YouTube rabbit hole before everyone we've has it's, done and
1: it. it's designed for you to do that yeah um and I think it's also important to point out how terrible the internet is. I think especially those of us who spend a lot of time in a pretty progressive, liberal bubble don't always understand how awful it can be. Oh, I, you I and, stay
2: away from it. Well, I'm you, like, but I don't you and look I experience
1: it. it because people comment on our. Yes. They, they come to yeah. us sometimes, so we experience h- how bad the internet is. But just to emphasize to our listeners. Microsoft created a chat bot and announced it on Twitter in 2016. They were doing an experiment in conversational understanding, is what they called it, and the point was that the chat bot would engage with real people and learn from them. So it was like a, a form of artificial intelligence. Yeah. So it they, it had its own algorithm that was created to interact with Twitter and users. Then, and then the more. The more you it interacted, it, the, more the more human it, it would become. Yeah. Right. Essentially, like, the more human it, be, it would become. Yeah. Um, this is, like, some her shit. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've been listening to Sleepwalkers, which is a podcast all about, like, um, artificial intelligence mm. and how it's interacting in our lives. Ooh. It's bananas.
2: Oh, my God. That scares me so much. It's, just, it's try very scary. I to think scary. about it, to be honest. It, it,
1: it's very scary. It, it can also be very helpful. Yeah. But it, it's very scary. Yeah. So... Yeah, it would evolve and change from its interactions just like real people do. So Microsoft released this bot onto Twitter and it asked Twitter users to to engage it in casual and playful conversation. This is what they said. Mm. Hey, here's our bot. Engage with it in just, you know, regular casual conversation. Everyone's going to be like sexually explicit and hateful. The bot began engaging with users at 10 a.m. on one day. By 2 a.m. the next day, so less than 24 hours later, it tweeted, (coughs) Bush did 9-11 and Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Donald Trump is the only hope we've got. Less than 24 hours on the internet. That should go to tell you what a cesspool (laughs) our internet is.
2: I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing when it was like just your face when you did that pause before you read it to you. I was like, this is going to be great. Well, I mean,
1: seriously, let me read it again. Read it again, please. I need to hear it again. Bush did 9-11 and Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Donald Trump is the only hope we've got. It took this AI bot. Less Less than than a day to become a Nazi on the internet. Like that is how scary this cesspool of an internet situation we have going on. I'm laughing because I'm horrified. It's it's horrifying. I mean, because that's how I know that this is a bot and it's AI and its algorithm was set up that it was supposed to respond to what it was receiving. Yeah. But this is on a much grander, much bigger scale how people get radicalized on the internet. Exactly. And that was something that I read article after article, people talking about
2: being radicalized. You know, they talk about there's people that I'm going to talk about later such as like Ben Shapiro and things like that where you'll start with one of his videos where he does not claim to be, you know, he's old, just a right, conservative. He's just conservative. Pundit. So you start there. And then YouTube will automatically go to the next video and the next video and the next video and the next video. And, next video. and so, suddenly you're in this crazy alt-right universe where you are receiving all of this media where these people are saying and they've been quote unquote brainwashed. Red pills. You've been red pilled. Yeah. It's kind of like what we what we talked about before. I feel like though, for that to happen, you have to have some sort of like susceptibility to it because I don't think that if I, I think that I would just be in a corner rocking myself and crying if I watched that much
1: alt-right hatred. Well, I think it's like anything else. Uh, You and I are coming from a very strong counter viewpoint, so it's going to be very difficult for us to be radicalized. If you are not, and you're kind of open to hearing new ideas, I think if you start... But that would make you susceptible, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you start... A lot of these people start with videos that aren't out-and-out terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then it's just kind of like, huh, you know, I didn't agree with everything he said, but he had a good point about this. So, you know, I'll give another one of his videos a try. And yeah. so then you watch another one and it's progressively getting worse and well, worse. And then
2: that'll link you to someone else. Someone who's more radical. Yeah,
1: right. exactly. So let's talk a little bit about YouTube's algorithm let's do it. right now. So in 2010, YouTube changed the recommendation algorithm. So the recommendation Algorithm is basically the thing that we have come to know on YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I watch a lot of beauty YouTubers. I've definitely spent a lot of time watching true crime documentaries on YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube.
2: I feel like mine would be true crime
1: documentaries. I love watching um, interviews
2: from talk shows. I don't have cable, so I'll just watch specific Mm -hmm. interviews with that. And I'll watch like certain things like BuzzFeed videos or BuzzFeed esque. Right, videos. absolutely. I mean, Brainless, just kind of bleh, for sure. You know? I mean, and for me, that, that's kind of what
1: that's kind of what beauty influencers are for me. Like, yeah. I will just have it on. It's kind of like it washes my brain out, right? Yeah. So it kind of gets you in a better mood, and you feel like you're you're in a right. Punk. Yeah, I mean, and also go listen to the first episode of of Sleepwalkers. Don't be fooled. I mean, we're gonna talk about the algorithm, but all of this shit, all of it, every single. You know, every single social media platform, I've worked in marketing, so I know that m- marketing is the same way. Anything where they're using social media or ads on your phone, any of this stuff, it is designed to be addictive and yeah. irresistible. And that is what it's designed for.
2: Ads freak me the fuck out. The, uh, literally the other day, I said something like I need to go pick up paper towels. or It was something like that. And I went on Instagram, and it showed me a paper towel ad. And I was like, are you fucking listening to uh, me? 100%. It
1: scares the shit out of me. Well, I mean, 100%. Like, here's the thing. Like, I have worked jobs. If you want to be scared, let me let me scare you. Okay. I've, I've worked jobs um, where I've been in rooms for meetings where they have said, you know, we have this set up so that your phone will hear... If you are watching the Grammys, and then if you are on any of these sites, it will pull up these ads. It will pick that up. And, you know, people even in that room were like, how do I avoid that? And yeah. he says, you, you have to go into your settings and turn your microphone off. Ugh. You have to go turn your microphone off, which means you can't use Siri. You know, you're going to... I never use Siri. But it will run into problems, like, further down, but seriously... If, if you want to not be listened to, but at the end of the day, here's the thing, though. You can go, you can turn your microphone off, you can cover up the camera on your laptop, you can yeah. do all of those things. The way our lives are set up now, it's not really going to make a difference.
2: <laughs> How do I find my microphone in my settings? I, I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Siri, turn my microphone off. She's not listening to me. She's like, fine. no. She's like, bitch, no. Absolutely I'm not, not
1: designed to do that. So, okay, let's talk about YouTube's algorithm for a minute. So the recommendation algorithm is what we see when we're on YouTube now, where you watch something and it will automatically play the next thing that it recommends. Or yeah. it will also have a bar along the side that tells you, like, it's recommending similar type videos. Mm-hmm. So when YouTube first started, it didn't really have that. Most of its content was through channels, kind of the way that, like, TV is through channels. It was, yeah. it was the same sort of thing. It didn't really have, like, a recommendation algorithm. But YouTube wasn't really making enough money because people would use it like TV. They'd go, they'd watch what they wanted to watch, and then they'd get off of it. Yeah. And so in order for YouTube to make money, it needed to keep people engaged. It needed to keep people on the site longer. Yeah, which is smart. Right. So, but, I mean, in general... You know, in short, they needed to make it more addictive. Yeah. They needed to have that addictive quality for them to be able to make money. So that's when their recommendation algorithm came into play. In 2011, they launched Lean Back, which would pick a new video at random after you finish watching whatever you were watching, which is essentially, like, what we have now. So the first lean back would select new videos based on the number of views a video received. So it was based entirely on views. It didn't matter how long you stayed on that video. None of that mattered. If you clicked what about on the it... content? It, it didn't matter. Really? It didn't matter. So it was that's just like, why... This is our
2: top, like, viewed video right it's now. It's why, Here like, it is.
1: clickbait... You know, thumbnails or headlines would get you a lot of views, which is how, you know, YouTube calculated things at that time. So in 2012, the engine switched from recommending videos a lot of people had watched to recommending videos people spent the most time on. So it switched to better content, better content like clickbait thumbnails and stuff didn't matter as much because it would recommend views like for people who had spent a long time on each video. Yeah. So if you watch the video all the way through. I it gotta will say move that up.
2: there's still clickbait where you'll click on something and you'll be waiting for that specific moment to happen right. and then it, it doesn't happen right. and you're done with it and you're like I just wasted five but, you minutes know, of my life. It,
1: it makes a lot of sense for somebody who spends a lot of time on YouTube. Now that I know that, yeah. I'll see like, oh, I wanna watch a beauty YouTuber talk about this thing and they've put it in the title of their thing. They will talk about it, but mm-hmm. they will wait until the video is like almost over and mm-hmm. that's probably why because that's the, the algorithm switched to that. Sneaky sneaky. So watch time because of this watch time on YouTube grew fifty percent every year for the next three years, so that's huge, and it yeah. became very very uh, profitable. However, and this is from a, a Guardian article quote: "Much has been written about Facebook and Twitter's impact on politics, but in recent months, academics have speculated that YouTube's algorithms may have been instrumental in fueling disinformation during the twenty sixteen presidential election." Yeah. YouTube is the most overlooked story of 2016. Uh, Zynep Tufki? Oh, I have that too. Oh, really? A widely respected sociologist and technical critic tweeted back in October. Its search and recommendation algorithms are misinformation engines. Yeah. It is... YouTube is the most popular
2: platform for alt-right and far-right are more likely to say they are radicalized by consuming online content. So, like if you are part of that community if you're on like the 8chan and the 4chan and any of those websites or whatever a lot of times the links will bring you back to youtube right to continue that cycle of watching these videos and they say that most of the um like you just said most of the information that these people are getting and that we got especially during the 2016 election were happening on YouTube. And whenever you would watch a video like one of Trump's speeches or anything like that, a lot of times, eventually, it would lead you back to these other things that were similar to it.
1: Right. I mean, and I think I have the numbers in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. So if we're talking about, like, the election in general, the 2016 election, I think that's something that a lot of people point to because, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, famously came under fire for its involvement in (sighs) helping Trump win the 2016 election by failing to stop fake news from being circulated on the site. Mm -hmm. YouTube kind of did a similar thing. Shortly after the 2016 election, a group of researchers conducted a study trying to measure which candidate was recommended the most during the 2016 election. They found that a Clinton search on YouTube led to mostly anti-Clinton videos. The pro-Clinton videos were viewed many times and had high ratings, but represented only 20% of all recommended videos. Yeah. The vast majority of political videos recommended by YouTube were anti-Clinton and pro-Trump because those videos got the best engagement. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of the same reason why... Because of this algorithm, and we'll talk about, there was a new AI called Reinforce that was introduced later, which which also really played into this outside of Lean Back. But these algorithms, they, it, it's the same reason why conspiracy videos tend to get a lot of views. So you can search for something genuinely wanting to know more about it, and it will pull up conspiracy videos, and all of a sudden you've been radicalized into believing in flat earth or yeah. whatever, because... Yeah. It's pulling up these seemingly legitimate-looking documentaries, right. and then you're watching one after another, and listening to people talk about it, and it's starting it to, to convince make sense to you. It that starts to make sense to you. Maybe that makes sense. Well, and what's
2: interesting, I was reading about these different, like, quote-unquote, takedown videos, where um, these people, like, let's let's use the 2016 election as an example, where Donald Trump is taking down Hillary Clinton. A lot of times, those videos will get a lot of attention because there's the people that are that already feel that way that want to watch it and want to learn more and then there is the news coverage that's talked about it and then there's the people like you and I who would watch those videos because we're curious as to what these people are saying or just our perverse need to know you know what I mean that there's people like us or left-wing people that would then watch those videos which then gives those people more more views, more power, more publicity, which brings right, them up.
1: Right. I mean, and especially like when you're talking about people like Alex Jones, for instance, like Alex Jones was a huge one. Like these algorithms definitely pointed um, to and helped reinforce uh, his platform hugely because if you were to watch something one that gets thrown around a lot is, like, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Because he's not necessarily, like, a conservative political figure, but he has a massive reach. He's got a huge podcast, right? Yeah. Um, He has this huge reach, but he has also been known to have conservative, very far-right conservative people on his show to talk to them. So... If you watch Joe Rogan, it might suggest one of those other videos. Maybe it's an Alex Jones video that comes up. Yeah, Alex Jones comes up a lot actually, which I'll I'll talk about in a little bit. There's a okay. there's a man who worked for Google named um, Gilam. I think it's French. Gilam Chaslow, and he tweeted in 2018 that the algorithms that he worked on at, on Google recommended Alex Jones videos more than 15 billion times. Wow. Because Alex Jones was very prolific. He had a lot of videos that came out. So if you searched, if you wanted to watch news footage on Sandy Hook... Alex, Alex Jones, Jones' videos saying that that's a false flag attack and these are actors would come up.
2: Right. Well, and also it's like when he's making that many videos, anything you Google then will show up. If he's putting out that much right, content... Right. Exactly. He's yeah. so
1: prolific. He has so many pieces of content. And then once you do start watching his videos, they're four hours long. Right? What? Some of them are long. Like, some of them are several hours long. So oh
2: my God. you start
1: watching them, you have it playing while you're cleaning the house or doing whatever, And suddenly, you're hours into view time as far as YouTube is concerned, and so it's going to push Alec Jones' videos up through the recommendations because it's giving them money, because people are spending a long time watching these videos. So, it's, it's a very scary state of affairs, and then all of a sudden, now you think that, you know, the water is turning the frogs gay. What? Is that not something? You didn't know that? I'm sorry, what? That is an actual Alex Jones conspiracy theory. The water is turning the frogs gay? Yes, that there's fluoride in our water and it is turning the frogs gay. Does it work work on people too? (laughs) You know, he didn't say, but, or at least I don't think he said he could have. You didn't watch his four hour video? He rants frogs being gay? Dude, honestly, I'm here for
2: gay frogs 100%. First of all, I support
1: gay frogs. But one of the funniest but most horrifying things you could do if you want to, like, learn about this stuff is Behind the Bastards has, like, a four-part series on Alex Jones. Yeah. And they play so much of his, like, audio. It is... This man is insane, and you have to believe. But he has millions of followers. Yeah. So you have to believe that the only way he has this many followers is... Because these people have been radicalized. Because there's no other way that you would believe this shit. Or you would listen to a clearly crazy person. Like, this man is clearly insane. Yeah. Truly.
2: By the way, Max and I listened to Behind the Bastards um, Hitler and Hollywood
1: episode on the way back
2: from Idaho. It was fantastic. Yeah. Going to be listening
1: to them more. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. So let's talk about, a, a little bit more about Gillam Chaslow. So okay. he's an ex-Google engineer, and he worked on the recommendation engine, and he believes that the priorities YouTube gives its algorithms are dangerously skewed. He said in this Guardian article... YouTube is something that looks like reality, but it is distorted to make you spend more time online. The recommendation algorithm is not optimizing for what is truthful or balanced or healthy for democracy. Watch time was the priority, he recalls, when they were working on this algorithm. Mm -hmm. Everything else was considered a distraction. Mm -hmm. And so... Google claims that they fired him because he wasn't good at his job, but he claims that he was fired because he kept voicing concerns over the potential that YouTube had to radicalize people. Right. He's like, this is only going to reinforce certain beliefs. Yeah. And we're not putting any safeguards in place to stop fake news, essentially, from proliferating all over this platform. Yeah. And in fact, we're encouraging it. Yeah. In a lot of ways.
2: I've got to say really quick that if you have kids, I would heavily encourage you to get YouTube kids if your kids are ever on the iPad or the computer watching YouTube, because when I started nannying, he was using regular YouTube, mm-hmm. and I w- he didn't want me to sit in the room with him, which I get. Like, he wants his own time. I don't want, like, people looking over my shoulder right, and watching videos. Right, but you videos. cannot leave
1: your kid unattended That's with That's what YouTube. I'm saying.
2: So I would kind of, like, walk by the you know the door and kind of peek in and listen for a little bit and then I go do something and then I come back and peek in and I was sitting in the room with him I was on my iPad and he was on the floor and I started hearing like he's watching some Pokemon video and I start hearing this like profanity and it was just really gross and I just immediately like swiped it and I remembered that somebody else had used YouTube Kids so I told his parents like look I'm gonna do this thing because it's like And I'm sure even YouTube kids, there's ways to get through. You should always know what your kids are watching and what they're doing. Um, Ask, you know, if you're going to leave them alone for a little bit, come in and be like, hey, what you watching? What are you learning? What was funny about it? What was that? Ask them specific questions about it to know more about what they're watching. But definitely don't let them on regular YouTube. Right.
1: I mean, and that's a thing, like, in that first episode of Sleepwalkers that I was watching, that's a thing that they even talked about is, like, a lot of these people who work for Google, the higher-ups who created these programs, like Google and YouTube and Facebook, they don't allow their children to be using these programs because they know what these programs do. Like, they know how they work. They know what's being, you know promoted on these and they also know how bad it actually as somebody who spends a lot of time on youtube and a way too much time on my phone i can say that i know even though i do those things that it is very 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 bad for your brain yeah it's actually very very bad something
2: really nice about my trip i like didn't have service a lot of times i would go on hikes where i knew i wouldn't have service just leave my phone in the car and it was oh
1: It's necessary. I mean, I truly do, you know, I'm going to have to reevaluate for myself, like, my usage of social media. It's It's hard. hard. When you're home and you're
2: bored, like, everything you can want is on your phone.
1: And beyond that, it's like, I have two podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) You kind of have to be on social media. Like, you have to be, like, engaging with people. And it's hard not to do that, but also, like, our brains weren't meant to function this way. Yeah. Uh, But that's a whole different podcast. We've
2: evolved. Yeah.
1: (laughs) In 2015, YouTube started incorporating a thing called Google Brain, which was which was an AI that was able to pick up on more subtleties. So rather than showing you obvious recommendations based solely on watch time and similarity, like you liked a beauty vlogger, and so it might suggest a similar, almost identical beauty vlogger. Right. Um, it would show you recommendations that were more nuanced. So this is what I'm talking about when I say, like... How a lot of people were ra- radicalized through something like Joe Rogan, which is not on its face. Yeah. Something that would you you would think would be, like, aggressively yeah. uh, right-wing. But it would also do things like Nest, which I think is what you were talking about. Like, you could be watching a Pokemon video, and kind of mm-hmm. in the middle of it, it would be this absurd thing. Or, like, it would have you—you you could Google—or Google, you could search in YouTube— star wars review like star wars movie review and it will take you to a review where it is kind of a guy talking about star wars which is kind of what you asked for but it will be talking about how star wars is racist against white people and it's all about social justice warriors and then you click on that guy's next video and he's talking about like deep state conspiracies and then you click on his next you know so this algorithm google brain started Doing that. It was like picking up on little things within uh, videos and suggesting those videos that you might like. That's. Which is. That seems really fucked up. Right. I mean, well, it just could very quickly take you down a path you don't expect to go down. Or don't want to go on. Right. 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 Yeah, I don't exactly. I that. Exactly. Which I think you read the same article I read. I think it was a
2: New, York Post, or no, a New, New York Post Post article.
1: And that is exactly what he says. There's a a man who's being interviewed on that, and he very much says that he feels like he was radicalized by the Internet. Yeah. You know, he was lonely. He felt like he He was like a college dropout, right? He was a college dropout. He was depressed. He was feeling bad about himself. He started watching these videos, and he started thinking, like, you know, I don't agree with everything that they're saying, but, you know, he's talking to me as a man. He started talking to a men's rights activist, or watching a men's rights activist... And he's like he's speaking about what how hard it is to be a man in a way I've never heard before and I can yeah. relate about that. So yeah, so he starts mentioning a few things about like Jewish people and white nationalism and black people. But part. like that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. But that shit seeps in. Like it that's does. what happens. It really does.
2: Okay, so something that I found kind of interesting was something that was called the adpocalypse. Tell me about it. I don't know what this is. I'm going to teach you. I don't have a lot of notes on it, but I found it very fascinating. So advertisers started pulling ads as they were being played before videos with content they did not want to be associated with. YouTube then introduced policies limiting ad placement on videos featuring, quote, sensitive social issues, profanity, etc. So people, users like um, Philip DeFranco, who used to be Sexy Phil. Huh. Do you remember him? No. You don't remember him? No. I had a I didn't ever really watch his videos, but I had a friend in high school who loved his videos and now he's like super altright conservative. Oh no. Yeah. Um and PewDiePie, they reported oh, sharp wow. yeah. Sharp <laughs> declines in their revenues at the start of the boycott. So there's this user named Worski where he started asking for money directly from his viewers because the aftermath of the boycott by using his platform by using a platform called Super Chat which lets viewers send money to content creators during the airing of live videos. And well, he goes on to YouTube say... YouTube does
1: that, too. It lets you send money like if you're doing live videos. But
2: I, Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it sounds like it's through that.
1: Hmm. Oh, It sounds oh, like it's yes. through YouTube. Okay.
2: Yeah. But it's something called Super Chat.
1: And he goes on
2: to say, if advertisers will not pay us, then the people will pay us. So he's just literally like, you want
1: to keep listening, pay me money. Well, here's the thing is like... Advertisers don't owe you anything. Like, they have the right to pull their advertising at any time. Like, that's how it works. It's how it would work if you were on a major network as well. Yeah, exactly. That's happened tons of times with Fox News where a a program will say something and advertisers will be like, you can no longer play our ads during this person's program. Like, that happens. So, you know, you don't really have a right to that. But this goes into our bigger, uh, into a bigger issue about... A lot of right-wing people will start to say that they are being unfairly discriminated against yes. on social media when really it's that you're spouting hate speech. Like, no, you're not allowed to, like, say the N-word. You're not allowed to say Hitler did nothing wrong. You're not allowed to freely expouse Nazi sentiment.
2: Right online, but it's that whole—it's the First Amendment free speech thing that everybody will always but rely free on. Free speech
1: and hate speech are not the same, exactly. But regardless, I feel like in this society we have this whole like other sidesing happening all the time, and so what's happening is that now YouTube can decide what is sensitive content, yeah, and it can start blocking people who are progressives talking about political issues as well even though what they're talking about is not hate speech
2: yeah um
1: so to talk about that a little bit seriously like two weeks ago youtube just came under some major fire yeah because um there was this issue with this right-wing comedian i say that in quotes called stephen crowder so, Steven Crowder spent months harassing Vox host Carlos Maza. Oh, uh, yeah. And Carlos Maza uses YouTube as his main platform for Vox. Like, he works yeah. for Vox, but he puts... It's the same as, like, BuzzFeed or whatever. Yeah. Like, he puts most of his things on on YouTube. And he called him, among other things, and these are not my words. Please don't associate this with me. There's a few things I'm going to say this episode where I'm like, do I say it's, it? It's, I mean, I think we do because I think it's important for you to hear, like... The types of things these people are saying. Yeah. So he spent months harassing Carlos Maza and he called him a lispy queer, among other things, other derogatory gay slurs, yeah. because Carlos Maza is gay. He also, uh, Carlos Maza revealed that Crowder's followers had bombarded him with text messages, emails, tweets. Text messages? Yeah. I, you know, the internet's a scary place. It's very. Uh, tweets, uh, tons of like tons of other things, bullying him, telling him to kill himself, demanding that he debate Steven Crowder on the platform. Mm-hmm. So he then created a compilation video of all of the things. I mean, Steven Crowder went after Carlos Maza, and it's mm-hmm. very odd that he would do that, be so fixated on one on person, one person. Um, to the point where he's having his... Fo- not necessarily having his followers, but his followers are going after him. It's like when people say something bad about Taylor Swift. Right, it's, it's stan culture. Yeah. In a very toxic way. So, Carlos Mazza created a compilation video of all the terrible things that Crowder had said about him and asked YouTube to ban Crowder, highlighting specific sections of YouTube's terms of service that Crowder had violated. Now, Crowder has nearly 4 million followers on YouTube. Okay. Which is... A lot. Like, that should scare people. Like, this racist piece of shit, racist, homophobic piece of shit has 4 million million followers, like, subscribers on YouTube. And that makes a lot of (sighs) money for YouTube. So, naturally, YouTube chose not to ban him. YouTube responded via Twitter... Uh, about the situation, saying that although the company didn't agree with the statements Crowder made, his content didn't violate the company's policies. YouTube did demonetize Crowder's channel, taking money away from him, but they also demonetized a bunch of other channels for no real reason, except for so that it doesn't appear to conservatives as if they're being singled out in any way,
2: which is... Well, they don't want to hurt their feelings. But it's
1: dangerous. Like, it is dangerous to say... That somebody sharing political news that you might not agree with deserves to be demonetized in the same way as someone who is speaking hate on the internet and threatening people on the internet. Like, it is dangerous to equate those two things as the same. We have to stop doing this, like, other-sizing, both-sizing kind of, like, talk. Like, it, it has to stop.
2: Well, it's the current climate that we live in.
1: Yeah, I no, mean, it's part, like, of the, it's part of the culture where it's like, don't rock the boat, don't make anyone too unhappy. So if you demonetize this person, you have to, for whatever reason, also demonetize this person over here.
2: I mean, I get it and I don't get it at the same time because, like, there is such a war between the sides going on. And I try to be as conscious as I can be about not furthering that and making it worse but at the same time it's like if you're gonna be an asshole but i
1: also think it, and be a dick about stuff i'm gonna I call think you it, out i think it makes it worse when we pretend like problems on the right meaning racism homophobia threats of violence nazism like these things yeah. are equal to whatever you deem to be controversial on on this side like they are Donald Trump they are not the same yes yeah calling Donald Trump a piece of shit is not the same thing as threatening violence against Jewish people like it's not the same and so I think it's very dangerous to start saying that that it's two sides of the same coin exactly it's, it's not it's not at all it's not at all Um, I did some research on some specific
2: users, um, especially ones that Ghost Machine kind of told me to look into. Absolutely.
1: Let's talk about it. So
2: I had never heard of this site called Prager University. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't, but I know of that guy. Okay. It's not a university. Um, <laughs> cool. it's not a school. The website says Prager University is not an accredited academic institution and does oh, not like offer... like University. Right. Great. And, and does not offer certifications or diplomas, but is a place where you can, where you are free to learn. So it's calling itself a university, which is just like... No. It's shady. It's like Trump University. Yeah. Shady as book. Okay. So... After the 2016 election, a video called Do You Understand the Electoral College came out, which was hosted by a retired lawyer and television pundit Tara or Tara Ross. It reached 50 million views two weeks after the election and had a lot of views during the election as well. Um, she doesn't mention that the Electoral College was born of a compromise with slave states or the degree of which it skews the will of majority. Uh, she also claims that it thwarts voter fraud. Um, but it's like, yeah, I it's mean, five minutes long. It's got lots of graphics, quick cuts, sound effects. Like, it's one of those really, like... That's the thing with YouTube videos that freak me out are the quick cuts. Why do people... I mean, I get why they do it, but it's like,
1: it freaks I, me out. I guarantee you it comes from some kind of psychological reasoning. That it, it does. That like, it keeps people, like, engaged and I've addicted. Read it, I've read it somewhere, but there is something about the
2: quick cuts... Where there's no pauses, there's no. You can't think
1: about anything.
2: Yeah. Right. Like, it's I mean, jarring. It's in your face. It's very like. Bah, 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 bah.
1: Yes, I know what video you're talking about too.
2: Yeah, videos on that website include topics such as police brutality, how police are not biased against black men, climate change, man
1: made climate change is debatable. No, it <laughs> isn't. Yeah. Oh my god, we are all gonna be underwater in like. Yeah. 15 years. Exactly. Uh, Climate
2: change, man-made climate change is debatable. Oh, wait, I already said that one. Talks against animal rights and the $15 minimum wage against gender gap doesn't exist. And why the South turned Republican with no mention of race. Um, Prager himself has made videos such as uh, War on Christmas and another video called He Wants You, an apology to men who awful women. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. And every I'm video, so sickened. Yeah, every video that's on his site, Prager reviews. He reviews every script. And uh, court's faculty included Steve Forbes, former White House Press Secretary, Secretary Dana Perino, and Harvard Law professors in his
1: videos, as well as comedians. This is active indoctrination. Like, yeah. that's what this is. They are actively indoctrinating people on purpose yeah yeah like on purpose you're you are purposefully spreading misinformation and leaving vital information out yeah in order to sway an opinion that is so gross
2: well that's something that you're gonna see through all of these (laughs) none of them argue two sides and they all leave out information so ben shapiro in his book, The Right Side of History, How to Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great.
1: Oh, Ben Shapiro is so gross, um, too.
2: Yeah. The start of the book proclaims that the absence of God's moral law dooms our world to live in a meaningless abyss. Uh, he also argues that that's our... That's your opinion. That's your, opi- that's your ben. opinion. Ben. Ben. He also argues that our toxic political climate and divide can be boiled down to our societal rejection of Judeo-Christian values. He wants to explain why we should go back to our Judeo-Christian roots, which is the only morality that is objective and true. A writer from the Medium who kind of, like, did a review on his book says, Just because you don't want to live in a world without objective morality, it doesn't make this system of morality all of a sudden true. You need to demonstrate where you're extracting these value principles. So he's like, this is the answer. This is the answer. This is the answer. But he's not explaining anything.
1: Right, no. I mean, and that's what I was going to say is, like, Just because they're your beliefs, that's not an objective truth in any way. Like, you need to give me, and and it can never be objective. Like, it's, there are no facts that back up what you're saying, so you cannot back it up. Like, from an academic standpoint, it just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't. That people aren't thinking about it like that. Well, because if you're saying something that people agree
2: with, they will want to have more of it. They want to be validated. If that's something that you agree with, you're going to keep reading it to be further validated. So he also has this thing where he like oversimplifies history to fit his claims like a quote from the book says, the USSR rejected Judeo-Christian values and Greek natural law and they starved and slaughtered tens of millions of human beings. The Nazis rejected Judeo-Christian values and Greek natural law and they shoved children into gas chambers. So, So because of that, Without any nuance without or any context. reason, without any more information, without any other context about these specific situations, we are lacking this Judeo-Christian values. But here's the thing, if, so I, we are I, was, the same,
1: if I was a young person and my brain wasn't fully developed yet, and I had grown up with these ideas or yeah. ideolo- ideologies, like, that wouldn't seem so crazy to me at all. Yeah. And in fact, I would probably lean into wanting to believe it. Yeah. Well, because
2: we want simple answers. We want everything in life to make sense to us. And when we're feeling lost and we feel like there isn't an answer, we go looking for things like religion, political views, um, mentors, uh, life coaches, therapists, things like well, that. And if we already if
1: think of a simple solution and you agree with it, you're going to latch on to that as much well, as possible. And as someone who... Was very religious at a time. I mean, when I didn't really think it was very cool to be. A lot of my friends were not. Yeah. When you had someone give you a pseudo intellectual answer that backed up your beliefs, it felt good. Like yeah. you wanted to believe that. You want more of that because it was a. It was an armor. Exactly. It was like a defense.
2: It wasn't. It was an argument for you to have. Right. Yeah. I'm losing my voice now.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> It was a defense that you could use for yourself. And like exactly. I can only imagine if YouTube had existed at that time in my life and any time I got into an internet fight with somebody about one of these issues, if I could link this argument or if I could quote that person but about it still why I'm all right. The time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just I'm lucky enough that I, I wasn't indoctrinated that way because it wasn't happening at that yeah. rate whenever I was that impressionable. Exactly, exactly. So there's a few
2: other things that he's against. I went on his Wikipedia page, and I mean, you could spend hours there, but but don't. But don't. Um, he appeared on CNN's Pierce Morgan tonight after the sand after Sandy Hook to discuss gun control. He calls Morgan a bully who quote tends to demonize people who differ from your political from you politically by standing on the graves of children of Sandy Hook. Well, I mean, saying, Piers Morgan is a piece of shit, but... Yeah, saying they don't seem to care enough about the dead kids. And that's something that with Sandy Hook, I think that a lot of people bring up is like very vulgar imagery about dead children to kind of well, gain the same thing. the
1: same thing with Parkland. I feel like yeah. the same thing happened there.
2: Yeah, so he also believes that Israel should transfer the Palestinians and Israeli Arabs from Judea from judeo Samaria, 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 Gaza and Israel, citing expulsion. Samaria, Samaria. Thank you. Uh, And Gaza and Israel, citing expulsion of Germans after World War II. He says expelling hostile population is a commonly used and generally effective way of preventing violent entanglements. Um, On his LGBTQ plus views, a man
1: and woman do a better job of raising a child than two men or two women. How would you? Okay, listen put a fucking pin in that for a second because mm-hmm. I have known some pretty awful hetero couples. Yeah. Really terrible hetero parents. I yeah. really have. Um, I'm a nanny. <laughs> I've You're worked like, for I've them all. I've seen some shit. I've worked for them all. I mean, that is insane. Mm-hmm. How could you possibly... You cannot equate personality to sexual preference. Yeah. So, how could you possibly make that claim? That is so because, bananas. Because people believe that there needs to
2: be a... Uh, matriarchal figure and a patriarchal figure in order to make But
1: okay, would a raising he, a child would mark. he say that a heterosexual satanist couple will do a better job than a homosexual couple with Judeo-Christian values. That would be a very interesting thing for him to speak on. Because, like, what—that
2: that is such a dumb blanket statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says that he does not believe that same-sex marriage should be taught in schools, believing it's for parents to teach, and that it is a values thing. He believes that transgender people suffer from mental illness and compares changing one's sex or gender to changing one's age. It simply cannot be done. In 2015, he appeared on the Dr. Drew on Call show with trans rights and um, trans person Zoe Tur. When he repeatedly referred to Tur with male pronouns, oh. she eventually grabbed his neck and threatened to send him home in an
1: ambulance. Good, I mean, girl, girl. Listen, I'm not here to say that we should be violent. However,
2: <laughs> How- however, you know,
1: it's people like Ben Shapiro that make me. Scared because, yeah, well, this whole situation. I think the reason why we're talking about conservative YouTube in general like it makes me scared because I feel like a lot of people say, you know, we're becoming more progressive. The older generation that holds these very oppressive views, they're getting older, they're They're gonna die off. off. Yeah, you know, which I listen, I don't want my grandparents to die off. I love my grandparents, but there is some truth in that. Yeah, but it is scary. When you see a young person holding these kinds of views who is influencing other young people yeah. to also hold these kinds exactly. of views, it's exactly. very, 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 very scary. Because yeah. when does it fucking end? It never ends.
2: Yeah. So this next thing, he's, he later apologized for these statements, but in 2012...
1: He oh, I know article, this one. <clears throat> yeah.
2: That said... Or sorry, 2002. Did I say 2012? 2002. He wrote an article that said, I'm getting really sick of people who whine about civilian casualties. When I see in the newspapers that civilians in Afghanistan or West Bank were killed by American or Israeli troops, I don't really care. One American soldier is worth far more than an Afghan civilian.
1: I, I don't... I hate him.
2: Mm. He supports lowering taxes for the very wealthy... Why? Because he is one? Probably. Like, why... why? Yeah. He... Uh, accuses the left of being in a hierarchy of victimhood Um, he uh, you know says that conservatives are um,
1: disenfranchised I'm gonna break something I think maybe I'm on my like third vodka drink at this moment do you want to
2: get real mad? he does not believe that African Americans are victims of widespread systemic injustice today basically saying racism doesn't exist anymore slavery happened a long time ago doesn't exist anymore apparently to him so, I'm gonna talk about this guy, Hunter a- Avalon, Aval one I don't know this guy. I didn't know about any of these people. So, <laughs> no, I it was a Unfortunately, great, I knew about the other two. It but. was a great day for me. So, he's 20 years old. He has 276 thousand subscribers on YouTube and 32 thousand followers on Instagram. Um, he says he gets off by pissing people off. He opened a clothing line with shirts with phrases such as, "Again, I'm gonna say these things because they're." Fucking awful! Please do not cut these out and play them when I'm dead. Are not our views? These are. I'm gonna like change my voice or something when I say these things. uh, Honestly, I should just be going. Not our views. Not our views. Not our views. Literally, can you just whisper that while I say this next part? Yes. Okay. Ready? ready? Yes. One, two, three. Go. Islam is the greatest cancer on this entire planet, and welcome to retardville. Not our views. Not our views at all. What the fuck? Sorry, I just probably blew it out really bad. But um, he has a recurring video series called Get Wrecked, where he rips apart videos. Um, Apparently, he loves to hate on BuzzFeed videos and um, compiles them into uh, diatribes, diatribes? Diatribes? Diatribes! I can talk. Well, compiles them into diatribes with titles like, I don't want to say the word again, so... Our word feminist video bashes men, and fat, ugly feminists think they're oppressed.
1: Well, I mean, and here's another problem. Outside of YouTube's algorithm pushing everyone towards Nazism, uh, which is a big enough problem, there was a study I listened to a podcast called Invisibilia years ago, and they talked about how hate spreads something like five to ten times faster on the internet yeah. than love does. And that being said... Yes, headlines like that, are that are purposefully inflammatory, are going to get more views. Yeah, Like, exactly. that's the sad truth of the internet.
2: Alright, there's this guy named Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh,
1: I hate Milo Yiannopoulos. Okay,
2: he's known for ridiculing Islam, feminism, social justice, and political correctness. Don't you kind of enjoy pissing people off, too, a little bit, though? Because when I read that people, like, hate on feminism, I'm kind of like, yeah... I don't know. I I mean, I don't love it, obviously, but I'm like, yeah, be afraid of me.
1: I don't think I... I don't... No. I don't think I feel that way at all. Like, I end up getting really frustrated. Like, the reason why I, I almost never respond anymore is because, like... Oh, I don't. Genuinely, when I respond to people, it's because... They want a reaction? Well, they want a reaction, but I I genuinely... And this is naive of me. I genuinely want people to, like... These are the facts, these yeah. are the facts. How can you not look at the facts? And I want people to like learn. Yeah. And that doesn't ever happen on the no. internet. So I don't take, I don't take a, take a lot of joy in pissing people off because I, I get so frustrated because I'm just like, how can you not?
2: For me, it's kind of both. I take a side in people being offended by me saying something that I know is true, or choosing to be upset about something that I find so silly to be upset about. But at the same time, like you said, I want to fight back online because I want people to change their opinions. And I know I cannot change their opinions. it just doesn't do that. Opinions. Yeah, it exactly. just doesn't work. So he has been accused of being an apologist for or supporting pedophilia after videos arose where he said that sexual relationships between 13-year-old boys and adult men and women can be perfectly consensual. Right, because
1: Milo Yiannopoulos is one of those people who the right really likes to point to because he is a gay man. He's an out gay man. And so the right likes to point to that and say, we're not homophobic. Look at this conservative gay man. He's on our side.
2: But he's also said that if he could, he would not be... He said it's better for him financially to be gay. It's better for his brand to be gay. But personally, if he if there was a way
1: to make the gay go away, he would do well, it. Well, then he is also acknowledging, then, that it's not a choice. Yeah, it's something that exactly. is biologically true for him. Exactly. But, yes, I remember when he made those statements. He basically said that it's normal for adult gay men to kind of mentor young yeah, he did children, uh, essentially. He did make a
2: statement saying that he was coping with his own childhood abuse. Um, so you okay. know take it with a grain of salt are you making chicken nuggets somewhere it smells uh, like it's chicken probably nuggets in here. our
1: skin burning in <laughs> this closet <laughs> and i have a really bad sunburn it's so hot in here it it's smells just, like chicken nuggets it's just in here. us burning i had to
2: take my my glasses off because they were like steaming Okay, he has stated that both women and Asians have been scientifically proven to be worse at discerning spatial relations. It's the only thing Saudi
1: Arabia <laughs> gets right. Oh my god. He Show me your sources, you absolute piece of dog shit. He
2: commented the nation's ban on female drivers. Behind every racist joke is a scientific fact.
1: Is it really (laughs) show me the fucking sources on that i want to see your actual scientific (laughs) studies from an accredited source show me that shit milo right
2: exactly do you want to know what he said about birth control do i (laughs) you do this is a video entitled birth control makes women unattractive and crazy he says the pill causes women to become hysterical that was on breitbart yeah yeah uh hysterical sexually promiscuous and obese and he also has a video that says would you rather your child had feminism or cancer he declared his birthday world patriarchy day while talking about gender pay gap he attributes the discrepancy to quote different educational choices but you admit
1: there's a discrepancy wow preferences
2: and the fact that women have to have children
1: well, women don't have to do anything, but, I mean, well, in Alabama, I guess they That's do. That's
2: what they say, that women have to have children.
1: <laughs> in yeah. certain states, I suppose that is true. Or
2: it's just people's belief, also, like, you're like we're here to be baby-making machines, Keegan, you didn't know that?
1: No, I didn't.
2: Pew, pew, pew. That's me shooting babies out of my vagina. I got, I got okay, it, got, but
1: because I had the visual, but yeah. <laughs> pew, pew, good pew. for you to... Have you ever heard of Soph? No. She is an 11-year-old girl. Well, no, sorry,
2: 14 now.
1: No. she's started at 11. No! She's... I'm going to break something. I'm so mad. <laughs>
2: That's me watching Breaking Bad today. I literally almost threw my shoe at the TV. Ugh. All right. So, she started at the age of 11. She cites PewDiePie as being her main influence. She started as a this gamer. This is why
1: PewDiePie needs to be taken off the fucking Damn, internet. I you get... just
2: rubbed your eyes and your makeup went
1: everywhere. You're Ugh. like a crazy person right now. Good. <laughs> this is why PewDiePie needs to be taken off the internet. I've had, like, people argue with me about PewDiePie more than, like, any other YouTuber. They're like, you just don't understand him. Those quotes were taken out of context. You don't get it. Oh, I don't it. And know I'm anything like, about I, him, I don't, I, too. I don't care, I don't care. I don't care. Because yeah. shit like this happens. You just radicalized an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Well, and she
2: started as, like, a gamer. She would do, like, gaming videos where she was really vulgar and swearing. And I actually kind of remember that, too, where people were laughing because there's this little girl gaming who's, like swearing up a storm and just being really vulgar and people found it funny and her parents were like you're making us ton of that youtube money so it's exactly fine. exactly so she's now 14 and she makes some of the most horrifying videos i've ever seen i saw 10 seconds of one video and i felt like i needed to wash my eyes out with bleach where are your parents well she even says something about that where she's like you should be what did she say she said something about how it's not her parents' fault. It's if you don't like what I'm saying, it's your parents that should be blo- like sh- being more careful about what you watch on the internet and things like that.
1: I mean, fair enough, but yeah. also.
2: But also. So her videos. Which she says she scripts herself with the help of a collaborator, probably her parents, are a mix of hatred toward Muslims, anti-black racism, uh, benzatine, fear mongering about pedophilia and incel evolutionary psychology, and the videos are presented in an ironic comedic style. So they're like full skits. Like you know her parents are involved because they cost money. Like she's got costumes, backdrops. Well, I mean at the this whole point thing. she's
1: probably bankrolling it on YouTube. But there's oh, no way she's not doing it without the knowledge of her parents. Yeah. So
2: she's also. Asked Active on a gaming chat app called discord where she uses the username i'm not gonna say this word lieutenant f word not
1: great yeah fantastic and she hopes how
2: edgy yeah she says she hopes for a quote hitler for muslims to quote gas them all oh my god I'm gonna. she's 14 i am
1: her I am... videos are
2: horrifying
1: okay whatever continue That's
2: all I got. I can't, I can't, I couldn't do any more. I can't give you anymore. I was horrified I had to do this episode in chunks of time because I didn't want to start crying. My life is stressful enough. Yes.
1: So, okay, I'll I'll close it with this. (sighs) In that New York Times article... Which is, is good. I'll link that one along with the Guardian article that I had. And if you have any um, that you'd like me to throw in, send them to me and I'll, I'll, look I'll add my them. History. But in that New York Times article, I would suggest giving it a read. It's called Making of a YouTube Radical. Mm-hmm. And they do interview this guy, you know, and there is a certain amount of like, you have free will, you have the ability to walk away. but people get radicalized. It's the same way that people end up joining these um, terrorist organizations, yeah. a lot of people who have done mass shootings say that they were radicalized online via the incel community or yeah, and other communities. It, it does happen. Like, is it a front? Is it real? But I know it does happen. It, it does happen. And so I do think it's important to like, look at it. And this guy, he does say, these people weren't all shouty demagogues. They were entertainers building their audience with satirical skits, debates, and interviews with like-minded creators. So it's kind of like what you were saying with Soph, where it's like, they can almost trick you. It's not like they are Fox News pundits sitting behind a desk talking about a thing, although there are those people like Alex Jones who do that. They are creating skits. They are YouTube creators, influencers. So they are tricking you into believing that, that it's entertainment. Yeah. Right? And so if you listen to enough of that shit, Honestly, seriously, I've only started, just started it, but go listen to Sleepwalkers to get an understanding of, like, how AI really does affect our brains. Mm -hmm. We are being manipulated. I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but we are. We are being manipulated constantly via these, like, algorithms. And if you are not careful about, like, what you are consuming and what you are allowing your children to consume, then you might have problems like this. You might end up suddenly, like... A couple of, we- uh, you know, a couple of years from now, suddenly you're believing in some weird-ass fucking frogs-or-gay conspiracy theories. I'm just saying. I just, my brain
2: went back to the tweet that that robot said. Oh, yes. Yeah,
1: Bush did nine eleven, and Hitler did nothing wrong, and... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that that, really, honestly... Take that clip from this podcast. Yeah, play it anytime you need to remind yourself that the internet is a disgusting, disgusting porta potty of a place. I was gonna
2: say garbage place.
1: Porta potty yes. is a better yes. description. Disgusting.
2: All right. Well, I'm about to melt like the wicked witch at the end of the Wizard of Oz. I'm Monster gonna have to right change now.
1: before I go to bed. Like I am, like in my pajamas, but I'm sweating. It smells like straight chicken nuggets in it it does. here. It's what not do you good? smell it
2: too? I smell something. I it smell kinda chicken nuggets. Like, kind of smells like fried rice. Oh, I smell chicken nuggets in the oven. Like you know the. The ones, the frozen ones you get in the grocery store. I can't Shape remember. Shaped like the... dinosaurs. No, no, no. They're just regular strips. Well, probably they're that brand. Same too. thing. <laughs> it smells like that in here. So, so straight up Tyson chicken nuggets. That's the one. Okay, <laughs> we figured that out. You guys, thank you so much for listening for another episode. Thank you to Ghost Machine for giving us this idea for the episode. We greatly we appreciate We hope you it. like it. Let yes! us know. Um, we have a few more episode suggestions, so if we haven't responded to your suggestions, we've read them, we're aware of them, they're being logged into our list of episodes for the future. We will get to them eventually. Um, so thank you, thank you so much for the suggestion. Um, I really hope that you guys loved our coming out episode again this year. We've gotten a lot of great responses, especially from people who sent in stories, which makes me so happy. Me too. So so happy. But if you either were a little too afraid to send it in or miss the deadline or anything like that, we will always take your coming out stories. We're always game for more sister solidarity stories. Episode suggestions, just sending us thoughts on our episodes, or just wanting to send us something that you want us uh, that you want to tell us that we can chat with you about or chat with on the podcast. Feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. Catch us or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood
1: Feminists. We are also hoping in the near future, probably in the next couple of months, to get a Patreon. Mm-hmm. So we are thinking about doing kind of like one overarching theme for bonus episodes for or our Patreon. So, if you have suggestions for that, oh, yeah, or are interested in that in any way, we would love to hear from you. So, oh, so definitely let us know if that's something that you are at all interested in. We will also be giving away like merch uh, via our Patreon. So, let us know. Mm-hmm. Very excited! Very, very excited more on that to come
2: when we have more information for you to give so you can also catch us on twitter is where i think i was at we are at yamf podcast y-a-n-f podcast get us on facebook we have a business and a group page you can rate and review us on our business page you can chat with your fellow ragers on the group page um you can also rate and review us on apple podcasts we love that very much And you can also listen to us on Radio Public. That's another thing we love very much. We greatly appreciate it. So you guys, before I completely melt into a puddle, I hope you enjoyed this episode. With all that being said, we encourage you. Hooray, Hooray, John. John. Bye.
3: What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.